Yo, this is Pastor Tito here welcoming you to another episode of my revolutionary podcast where I'm here to help you find faith in Christ and how to follow through with your life. And today we are wrapping up a four week, holy week, well, four part holy week series called The Road to Easter. And we have been examining four different interactions, four different paths, four different uh, events and roads that really Jesus took in those final seven days. And today is one of the coolest ones. It's not just the road that led him out of the grave, but as he went and dealt with two disciples who were struggling in their faith. And I believe and pray this is going to be encouragement to you too. Christmas presents and encouraged my parents to celebrate other holidays, including my half birthday. I particularly liked Easter because it usually involved chocolate. <laughs> I love chocolate way too much, but I do. One Easter when I was eight, my parents brought out an exquisite looking gift. It was perfectly wrapped with shiny gold wrapping paper, neatly cut, folded, and taped. You couldn't even see the tape. And on top sat a red ribbon that was just waiting to be untied. I asked if it was for me. My daddy said it was and that it was a very special gift. I was so excited to open it, I could barely stand it. When Easter morning arrived, I was bursting with excitement. I asked if I could finally open it, and well, they said I could. So I quickly took the present in my hands, untied the ribbon, ripped off the top, and looked inside the box. I stared in disbelief at what I saw before letting out a big old wail. That's right. I cried. Fortunately, my parents knew what I probably hoped it would be, and so they also handed me a bag of chocolates and a stuffed Easter bunny. And that's what I really wanted, <laughs> the important stuff. I mean, what do I know? Who knew one day I would see that beautifully wrapped present for what it was, the greatest gift I've ever received? What's even better is this is a gift for you as much as it is for me. Hopefully you won't cry when you open it, because you see, the greatest gift you've ever received is empty. All right, I know I'm not the only one that was ever disappointed with a gift that, you know, was given to me. Oh, and as a parent, I know I've felt that too, right? When you get super excited, you give them something, and then they're like, that's not the energy I was looking for, like, right now. I'm like, look, give it back. I'm returning it. Forget it. You, you, you ruined it. You ruined it. I know. But listen, I know for us, man, it is super hard, and I know it's super hard to be uh, not judgmental of maybe some of the presence that we get, because like in that video said, right, we've all done that. Right, we all have expectations, we all have desires, we all think this is what I'm looking for, hoping for, and then when it's not what we thought it was going to be, you get what? Disappointed, right? Disappointed, upset, maybe you cry, I don't know, right? And so in the same way that we are sometimes very judgmental of the presents that are given us, let's be real, we are also very judgmental of our progress, right? When we see things maybe not 
done or being, you know, the, the timing or the outcome or the results aren't always the same because the process, my process might be different than yours. It is very easy to be judgmental because we don't see everything, right? Just like there. She was hoping to see something. She didn't see what she was looking for and she was sad. And when we look at things, it's so easy to be able to notice and I'm not seeing what I thought I was going to see. And we get disappointed because maybe we don't understand the big picture of the process. Now, there is something that reminds me, man, I was thinking about this, and I'm like, oh, this Tampa, we all, have one, we all have one of these things. So I know people are watching online from different places, and, but those of us here in Tampa, you guys know here in the Carewood area, five minutes down the road, we have a house that has been in the process of being built for a long time. Some people are already laughing. They already know. Listen, about five minutes from here, all right, very close to where we are, there is a house being built by Dr. Patel, a great philanthropist here in our city. And that has been under development for 12 years and has been under construction for six years. And when you drive by it, it doesn't look like it's going to be done anytime soon, right? And uh, we all are like, when, bro, is, is he ever going to enjoy the house? I mean, so many things. I mean, am I the only one that's ever been judgmental as you drive by? No, see, everybody here, you got to know, right? You drive by it all the time. But here's the thing, when we drive by it, all you and I see is the current process. It's unfinished, it's undone, right? And so it's very easy for us to be very judgmental, but uh, let's be real. You and I have not seen, most of us have not seen the blueprints, and we have not seen the construction plan, the schedule. If we would see those things, we wouldn't be as judgmental, right? We would know, okay, because we see the big picture, we see the details, and so we wouldn't be that judgmental. But... I know for us, I know I'm not the only one that I've, I, I fall into this category where sometimes I look at my life and I see what God is doing in my life and it looks like that house. Some cool stuff, but some stuff unfinished. I'm like, Jesus, like, are you too busy? Like, what happened? You know, did you kind of lose track of the deal? <laughs> Don't forget me, right? And so it's becomes, it's very easy for any of us, me too, to be judgmental about what God is doing because it's not happening the way I thought, when I thought. Or you see somebody else and their life is all different and yours is over here like what, you know? It's super easy because you and I can't see God's blueprint. We don't see his schedule. If we could, we wouldn't be as judgmental. But that's what happens. That's what happens. And then we begin to not just be judgmental but even doubt. Is this house ever going to get built? Is God ever going to do something in my life? It's so easy. When you doubt that element, it's so easy then to doubt God. I'm like, well... Maybe he is, maybe it's not what I thought it was, or maybe he's not what I thought it was. Maybe I'm mistaken, and it's so easy to move on. Well, today we're going to look at something that happened to two people as Jesus actually addressed two disciples who were disappointed in him and how he interacted and dealt with them. And so let's check it out. We're going to read Luke 24. So for those of you guys, if you have your Bibles, you can open them up. You can read along with me. Everybody online and here, I got you. It's going to be on the screen. We're going to read one of the longest stories in the Gospels, okay, which is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, if you're unfamiliar with what that is. All right. It's, so this is the stories of Jesus' life, and it's one of the longest written stories. And that, I'm telling you now, that is not by accident or coincidence. That is because there is something unique that happened here that God slowed down. And included some extra stuff so we can kind of see that big picture. So here we go. Let's read Luke 24, 13, all the way through 35. Now that same day, which the same day was the day Jesus resurrected from the dead. 
on that same day Jesus rose, two of them being disciples of Jesus were on their way to a village called Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. So they're leaving and leaving Jerusalem where everybody was, where Jesus was, and they're going to this new town called Emmaus. Together they were discussing everything that had taken place. And while they were discussing and arguing, Jesus himself came near and began to walk along with them. But they were prevented from recognizing him. They just, they, they, didn't, they didn't see it. They, they didn't get it. Then he, being Jesus, asked them, uh, what is this dispute that you're having with each other as you're walking? And they stopped and looked discouraged, frustrated, annoyed. All right, and here's what he says. The one named Cleopas answered him, are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that happened here these last few days? What things? Jesus asked. Oh, I wish I would have been here to see that, his face when he asked, what, what happened? What happened? So they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, powerful in action and speech before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and leaders had him, uh, handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. Check this. So I'm going to slow down. Look at this. But we were, past tense, we were hoping that he was the one who was about to redeem Israel. Besides all of this, look, it's, it's the third day since all of these things happened. It's been three days. And moreover, look, some women from our group astounded us. They shocked us because they arrived early at the tomb today. And when they didn't find his body, they came and reported to us that they saw a vision of angels who said that he was alive. And some of those who were with us, the other disciples, went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But they, they didn't see him. They just saw an empty tomb. Jesus said to them, how foolish and slow you are to believe. All the prophets have spoken. Wasn't it necessary for the Messiah to suffer these things and enter into his glory? And then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted for them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. They came near the village where they were going. And he gave the impression that he was going to keep going, that he was going to go a little further. But they urged him, no, no, stay with us. Stay with us because it's almost evening. And now the day is almost over. It's not safe to travel at this time. So he went and stayed with them. It was as he reclined at the table with them that he took the bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened as they recognized him. But he disappeared from their sight. They said to each other, Weren't our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, explaining the scriptures to us? That very hour, meaning at that moment, they got up and returned to Jerusalem. They sprinted those seven miles back. And they found the eleven and those that were gathered together and who had said, Hey, the Lord had has truly been raised. He's appeared to Simon Peter. Like he's, we saw Jesus. And they're like, oh yes, we us too. And then they began to describe what had happened to them on the road and how he had been made, how he had made known to them in the breaking of the bread. Now, again, that was one of the longest little stories in the Gospels, because there's so much there. But there was something important, guys, for, for us today. See, I want to, let's not lose sight of what happened at the very beginning. These two individuals, we only know one of their names. The other one, we don't know. And all we know is his name. That's it. That's the only detail. And so this is interesting, because listen, if you, whether, you know, let's just, how can I put it this way? We know one guy whose name is Cleopas, the other guy we don't know. 
But yet God, being Jesus, reached out to both of them. See, regardless if your name is known or you feel like you're a somebody or a nobody, listen, God knows and he's there and he loves. And he approached both of them, the somebody and the nobody. He approached them. And these were two deconstructing disciples. Now, that's a word, guys, that I want to help you out with because, see, that's a word right now that is huge when it comes to, let's say, the Christian faith. Or There's a podcast and books all called deconstructing. These are people who have grown up in the faith or believed to be Christians or they were Christians. They, they, they'll admit it. And some of them still say they are. But there was something along the way. Maybe they were told something in the Bible. They, they grew up with one kind of a faith or their, their, their church or their family had put this picture up. But now the older that they got and the more they're kind of seeing everything and seeing the world and they see all the other stuff that's in the Bible, some of them are like, wait a minute. This is the life that Jesus offers us. Why are we settling for this? If Jesus said we can do and be and have all of this and this is what we are called to do, why are we doing enough? And so now there's, there is some justification there, you know, when you see that. I mean, this is, these are people that, listen, you and I go through the same thing. How many times have we had a preconceived something of whatever, and then you come to realize, wait a minute, uh, I think I'm wrong. And so really deconstructing is, you know, unlearning something to learn something new, right? But then there are some that go a little too far. And the deconstructing is not deconstructing their faith, like processing their faith. It's actually deconstructing truth and molding and shaping truth into their image. These disciples were deconstructing. They left, they left everybody behind in the town because they thought they were wrong. Did you hear what he had said? We thought he was the one. We were hoping he was the one. Now, for us, it's a little different. For Jews, this was a big deal. Because the Jews for generations were waiting, believing, holding on to a word that God himself had said, I'm going to send someone that's going to make everything right. And he's going to bless the Israel and through Israel, this one nation, the whole other nations of the world will be blessed. And I'm going to do something new, great, amazing. And for generations, God was saying he was going to do this. But... Here they were hoping, I think this is it. I think this is the guy. I think this is the one. Oh my gosh, I can't believe we get to be alive during this time in history to experience this, to see this. And then he dies. When Jesus died, so did their hope. There were no Christians, none. After when Jesus was buried and put in a tomb, so was their hope. They had another, was like, well, what do we have now? These were disciples who spent time with Jesus, who, you know, who knows for how long, but they were there with him. And like, we got to move on to what's next. What now? They were disappointed and they were breaking everything down and like, we were wrong. And Jesus walks up to them and he asks those two, those questions. First off, you know, Jesus would be lurking at the beginning, right? That was kind of a little interesting. He, he sees him, he kind of walks nearby. He asks that one question, why are you guys so upset, right? What's going on? Because y'all heated. Right? Some of you guys, I know y'all like that. You see people, you see drama, and you be like, what's going on? Right? And I was like, what's going on? I know y'all like that. Some of y'all like that stuff. And so that's what Jesus did. He walked up, and did you see how, like, the guy snapped back at Jesus? Like, where have you, I mean, he sees Jesus leaving Jerusalem, right? And he has that amazing question. Bro, are you the only clueless individual? Where have you been these last three days? How could you not no, right? Where have you been, right? Have you been living under a rock? You know, the, maybe the, the descriptions that we would use today. And I would have just loved to see Jesus because Jesus was the only one. 
that truly knew everything that was going down those last three days. Jesus was the only one that really knew. And here he is questioning Jesus. Where have you been? Uh, well, uh, I mean, you know, does being buried behind a rock count? I didn't live behind a rock maybe three days, but that's where I was, you know. But excuse me for being busy trying to save your soul, bro. I'm like, I don't know, I'm being all, wow, calm down. You know, but he didn't do that. He didn't do that. He simply asked that question, well, what happened? Tell me, well, what happened? Now, obviously, Jesus wasn't ignorant. He knew what was going down. But see, man, this is what he does. He asked the question that drew out and brought the problem that they had to the surface. What was the problem? We were wrong. We thought he was the one, but he wasn't. So he asked the question, and the problem rises up, so now he can address it. And that's what he did. And so here he goes, and, and he begins to now give constructive criticism. Did you guys catch his response when they finally said these things? And like, how foolish and slow to believe. Now, uh, just a, he's not telling him he's dumb. I, I know, I know I'm not the only slow learner here. Anybody? Give me. I was like, yeah, listen. Yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, not the, I'm not that. I'm not. I'm a little bit of a slow learner. All right? And so this is a good thing that we have Jesus like that and be like, oh, man, if, if I'm a slow learner, look at these guys. Oh, Jesus, I don't want you to, I don't even know what you want to tell me. But he was saying foolish and slow to believe, not because they were dumb. Foolish was not kind of like an intellectual criticism. Foolishness was literally, no, 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 you got it wrong. And the reason why you are slow to believe is because you were selective in your believing. Because when the Jews would hear this message of what God was going to do to the nations, they were like, uh, the one that pertains to Israel, that's the one we care about the most because it was about us. Right? That's, that's what it mattered to them. And so it was like, eh, everybody else, what are you going to do for us, God? And so they were excited about that. They, they were hoping for that day when they would see the glory and that God, they really believed that God was going to take Jerusalem or take Israel and free them from all things. And that Israel would be a mega powerhouse in the world forever. That's what they thought he was going to do. And so he's like saying, no, you, you guys were selective in your believing, selective in your listening. And, and look, I struggle with that too, right? My wife tells me something and I'll hear it a different way sometimes. Not because I mean to, not because I want to. It's just, I got issues, yo. And so it's just this thing. And so we're selective in listening, selective in hearing. That's what they were doing. And guys, listen, we do the same thing with God too because so many of us are slow to believe. And we're, we see, you know, the progress is really slow because we're selective in believing. We're like, uh, I want to believe this, this, and not that. I like this, I like that. Like if, like if God is a buffet that we can pick and choose, right? And we're selective too and saying, ooh, I like the Jesus as my Savior, but kind of hold on the Jesus as my Lord thing. Uh, just kind of hold on to that. Listen, God's not a cheeseburger that you can be like, look, hold the pickles, bro. I don't want the pickles. It's okay. He's not that. No, it's, it's you get him as Savior and Lord. But there's so many of us that are slow to experience because we're like, look, I want to still be Lord of like my life. I still want to call the shots, but I kind of need you though in my back pocket to kind of save me and to kind of, you know, massage my guilt when I feel a little kind of way, but I still want to do what I want to do. But I, I just kind of need you right, right in my back pocket. No, it doesn't work that way. It's Savior and Lord. We can't be selective with our Savior neither. And so he's telling them, and he goes, and, and what does he do? He goes and explains everything. When he says to Moses, when he says he starts explaining Moses and the prophets, guys, that's the Old Testament that we have in our Bibles, if you've ever heard of that, right? That's the Old Testament he was talking about. The one thing that so many of us, like, skip over, right? I mean, you know, things like that. Maybe we look at, we don't ignore, I don't know, whatever. 
And no, Jesus says, all he did was go from Genesis all the way through and says, guys, it was all about me. And let me tell you what this was about. And so Jesus shows them the blueprint. He shows them the blueprint. He shows them the, the construction process. He shows them this is what this was really all about. Let me explain it. Let me show you. By the way, this wasn't something that he was going to do. It happened. He did it. I, it's done. The house is done. What God had said he was going to do, he actually did it. They weren't wrong. He was trying to help them see you guys weren't wrong. You just were, you settled. You thought it was this, but what God wanted to do was this. You wanted him just to free you from Rome. But here God wants to free you from death itself. It is bigger. It's better. There is more to those stories. There was more to the story of Noah than just, you know, a dude in a, you know, in a boat with a bunch of animals. There's more to the stories of Abraham, more to Moses, more to the kings, more than the prophets. It was so much more. And he goes and he's, he's just breaking it down as they're walking along. And then you see that shift that happened. At some point, right, he opened their eyes. He was opening up the scriptures to them, opening up. And then at one point, now their eyes were opened and they went and they saw, whoa, 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 that, that, that was Jesus. They, their eyes were opened to the reality that it was him. Now, we don't know what happened. We don't know what it was because all we know is that here they are, right? They're breaking bread, right? They're eating a meal. He's, he's taking bread. He's blessing it and he breaks it and hands it to them. So we don't know if it was maybe the manner that he did it, right? I don't know if that was the case. Because maybe they had been with Jesus so long that Jesus had a way of doing it that in the end of it, it was like, wait, this dude, this feels, you know, I don't know. If that was kind of like, this feels familiar. I don't know. We don't know if it was that. We don't know if it was maybe when he broke the bread and he extended his hands and they saw, dude, what's wrong with you? You know, like, I don't know if it was that too. Like when they saw, if they was the nails in the, the holes in his hands that they saw, we don't know if that was the case. We don't know what it was, but all we know is that their eyes were opened, and they saw him like, wait a minute, this was really real. He, this was him. It really happened. Their eyes were opened when Jesus became that, when he showed them that moment. And, and again, I mentioned this earlier, guys. This is one of the longest stories, longest stories in the gospel, by, and that's not a coincidence. It's one of the longest stories. What is it? You have a, you have, here you have God. Walk Jesus himself walking among people who don't get it, don't understand it. We're like, ah, you know, whatever, doing that. And, and here he is helping, encouraging, faithful. He's like, ah, right, listen, then you don't want to, whatever, you do you. And I mean, he, here he was helping there, faithful the whole time. And this long story in the Bible, this long story in this gospel shows us that God has been there all along. Same thing for us. These guys had no clue it was Jesus the majority of the time. Guys, I am telling you, God has done things in your life that have gone unnoticed and, you know, unappreciated. There is, you do not recognize and realize the beginning of it. If you could, I would have to scrape you off the ground, you know, because of the, just, just the, the humility and the, just the, the gratefulness that you would be, oh my God, you know, I would just, if you really saw and knew. Because he has been there all along, even when you have questioned him, even when you have doubted him, even when you have snapped back at him like those, those disciples did. They were frustrated with this man for his ignorant self. What is it? They were upset with him, and yet Jesus 
did not rebuke them. Jesus did not clap back on them. He loved them. He encouraged them. There he was. And see, that is the same for us, guys. Listen, this road to Emmaus is really the road of life. You and I are on the same road. And we got Jerusalem on one side, which Jerusalem means peace. Jerusalem, it means peace, shalom. And it's the peace of God. It is the peace that only exists. It is not just, you know, feeling good. It's not the feels, all right? It's not the feels. It's not the vibes. It's something bigger than that. I mean, literally, the peace of God is just this perfect sense. It's this perfect peace between you and him that just hits you deep. That's it's what it is. That's Jerusalem. Emmaus is unknown. Emmaus is whatever's next, right? The one thing that you and I are moving on to, away from the peace of God, because what we thought God was giving us, what we thought we signed up for wasn't what we signed up for. And you and I are always tempted to keep running to whatever's next, to whatever our Emmaus is. And do you guys know that Emmaus is, we don't know where it is. We don't know where it exists. We don't know seven miles in some direction. We don't know where. It's no longer there. It is un, its location is unknown. It, doesn't, it didn't last. That town did not last. And guys, I'm here to tell you it's the same thing. Here God is with walking with each and every one of us, pointing us to the way of peace, pointing us to where we need to go, peace in him that we can only find in him. And here we are always walking to what's next because maybe it's not what we thought it was or it's not what we want it to be. And so we're just going to move on to what's next, but what's next does not last. It's, it's not last. There's always going to be another what's next and always another what's next. But here was Jesus. In the same way he was there with them, guys, I want you to know he's been there with you. He's been there the whole time. And maybe you, you don't see the process and you don't see it all. But just because you don't see his activity doesn't mean that he's being still. He has been there along your side this whole time. But see, the thing that would shift in us is what shifted. It's what they did. The, the, you know, for us to experience what they did, we have to do something similar. Now, what did they do? Did you guys catch it when it was like Jesus was going to keep going? Did you see that part? He was going to keep going. He was going to go further. And, you know, I was like, I don't know what it was. It was like, you know, he's going to go to the next town or who knows what. But here he was going to go further. And the disciples that were with him we were like, whoa, where are you going? Where are you going? Because, see, back then, this was, this was a dangerous thing to be able to walk and travel by foot in this area, right? This was not easy. And to do it alone, no, I mean, you were, you were going to get jumped, stabbed, shanked, whatever. I mean, you, it was, you weren't going to make it. It was the likelihood of you surviving and arriving into your destination was little to none. And so here Jesus is like, all right, well, that was a good talk, guys. And he's, you know, he's going. And then they're saying, oh, wait, 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 you're going to keep? No, 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 stay with us. It's almost evening. The day is almost gone. Stay with us. They urged him, Luke says. They begged him. They were like, no, 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 no. Say, well, look, we don't know who you are. And I love that detail. They welcomed Jesus, not as their savior, just as a stranger. They opened up their hearts. They opened up their doors to this man. And all they knew is, Bro, this guy got some good stories. This guy dropping knowledge bombs on the road, bro. This guy was what? Like, okay, like, no, 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 no. You, you've helped us. Here he was comforting them. And, you know, Jesus was comforting them, and they didn't know it was him the whole time. He's comforting their disbelief, comforting. They were depressed, you know, individuals. And they were like, no, no, hey, you helped us, bro. Let's, let us take care of you. Why don't you come in and sit? But what's interesting, though, is there was one detail that was like, don't let this one slip. Jesus went from just their traveling companion to their guest to the host of the meal. 
Did you see who was the one praying and breaking the bread and blessing it? It was Jesus. Now, that's an interesting detail because that was not the job of the guest. The guest was supposed to be served. And here, for whatever reason, the disciples felt compelled enough. I don't know if Jesus kind of took charge. And I'm like, look, do you, you, you mind? Okay. You know, I guess. You know, I don't know if that would be like some of us. Like if you ever had somebody over at your house and they just walk into your kitchen, I'm like, excuse me. Um, did I say you can get up? Like, that's just, uh, no, you can't do that, right? You just can't get up in my stuff like that. There's some people that you know, they can do whatever they want, right? And so, but here he is. Jesus went from their traveling companion to their guest. Now he's the host. He's in charge. He is sitting at the seat of honor. And they've let him do it. And did you catch? That's when it happened. That's when it happened. When they let him in, they welcomed him. They opened up their hearts and something clicked. Because Jesus progressively, his role in their life was changing. They were allowing it to happen. And guys, you know what disciple means. If you don't know, I'm going to help you. But literally the word disciple in the Bible just means a learner. Look, I don't care if you're a slow learner or a fast learner. That's all that was. A disciple was to learn. That's what we are. We are lifelong learners. That is what a disciple is. Guys, I do not have all the answers, and I never will. The more I learn and the more I, the more I figure out, I have no clue, right? The more I see, it's like, yikes, there's so much more. But that's what a disciple was, and they learned. They, oh, their eyes were open because they first opened up their hearts to the fact that there's more to the stories, there was more to these stories, and I want to challenge you the same thing for all of us here today watching online and in person. Listen, God will open up your heart more. I'm sorry, he will open up your eyes more the more you open up your heart, and that looks differently. There's a process to that too. There's a process to that too, but he wants you to open up your heart to the reality that there is more to those stories. There's more to the Old Testament stories. There's more to this New Testament story. And, and that, that there's more to the story, more to so much. And that's why for us to be able to see, we got to be able to open up our hearts more. And listen, if you're, if you're somebody who's here, maybe, you know, this is like that one or two times that you go to church or you just kind of, you know, you felt bad. I'm like, look, they promised me, br they promised me brunch. That's why I'm here. I'm being real. Okay, they promised me to take me out. So I'm just counting down the clock. All right, cool. All right. But for some of us, maybe you're this or that, and maybe you are deconstructing too, and one of those individuals, listen, opening up your heart looks different for different people. Opening up your heart for you might just mean don't close it, because maybe you've assumed, ah, this is what this means. This is what it is, and you've closed your Bible long enough because you closed your heart to it. And you've already assumed, I know what it is, I know what it's about, it's not for me. Let me just challenge you just at least, not just open that up, open up your heart to that. The fact that there is more to these stories than you think there is. There is more to life than what you think there is. And let me tell you, let me be real here. There is more to sin than what you think it is. Notice Jesus said, guys, did you not see it? This was necessary. It was necessary that these things had to happen. And I know that's one big criticism. Why? Why would Jesus have to experience and suffer? See, because... There's more to sin than what you think. Sin is, one, is not one big oops, okay? That's not sin. Sin is not a big oops. Sin is not a my bad, okay? That's not sin. It is worse than that. The experience, the process, the chasm that has been caused because of it. That is why Jesus had to suffer because in order to save us, 
in order to save us, he had to suffer. He wasn't going to save us from suffering. He was going to save us through it. He was going to save us through it. And listen, I know we've all said and we've heard this phrase, the punishment has to fit the crime, right? Anybody heard of that one before? Right? The punishment has to fit the crime. Well, Jesus had to experience the punishment as if he had committed every single sin that had ever existed in human history. Do you see why he had to suffer so much? Because it was all of our punishment. It was our crimes that he was punished for. All of it collectively. All at one time. That's what he did. That's what he did. So I want to tell you there is more to these stories than you realize. There is more to life than you can think. There's more to sin that you realize. But let me tell you there is more to God than you think already. There is more to him. There is more to him. So for some of you, opening up your hearts is just at least considering that and being willing to linger in that a little bit more. Remember the process? They went from companion. They just started listening to the guy to the guest to the host when he became Lord again. And see, that's the process. And we're all on a different one. So for some of you, it's that. Maybe for some of you, maybe you've already opened up your heart long ago, but maybe you've closed it again. Maybe some of you are struggling because this is where, you know, this is the part of the service. Let me, let me give you church, church talk, all right, pastor talk. This is the time in the service in about five minutes where I'm going to tell you, you know, recommit your life to Jesus. You know, one of those things. If you've ever, like, believed in Christ and were following him and now you no longer are, and, you know, I'm about to do that in a little bit. Okay, just so you know. But anyways, listen. The reason why people say recommit is because you bailed on the dude, right? You were like these guys. These guys were like, all right, we're out. We're, I'm done. I guess we're wrong, right? And for some of us, that's what you think. Maybe, or maybe you have messed up and, and, and you're, you know that, man, God is good and, and he's, he deserves better than what I'm giving him. And so you're just mm-mm, this, this teeter-totter back and forth thing. But let me tell you, I, no, don't even bother recommitting your life to Christ. That's not the point. I don't want God to open up your eyes to be able to see I need to recommit my life. No, I want God to open up your eyes right now to show you he has remained committed when you weren't. That's what he did. These disciples were not committed to Christ anymore. And yet here Jesus was. He remained committed, though they weren't. That's what we need to see. If you're one of those people that are in your ups and in your downs, or you've been gone for a while and you don't know if you can come back, listen, understand and know, and I pray that you may see that God has remained committed to you this entire time. He has been kind and good and gracious regardless of the things that you have done, regardless if the sin that you have done literally is an insult, a slap to your Savior's face. And yet he turns that cheek because he loves you. And it is through his kindness towards you that will overwhelm you. And it's like you're going to want to surrender and follow because he is worthy to be followed. He remains committed. And now if you're a believer in Christ, because this is also the weird, you know, part of the, this is the weird service of the year too. It's like, you listen to what he's telling you, right? Look, I know this. I've been here every week, you know, whatever. This is for you. You know, listen, if you're a Christian too, just because you opened up your heart to your Savior once doesn't mean you're one and done. And you can kind of coast and be on cruise control from here on out. No, it's continually, it's more and more. If you have opened up your heart to your Savior and Lord, that is a process too. Where he goes from companion to guest to host, more and more to be your Lord and Savior. 
especially, Lord. And guys, the more, I want to challenge you if you're a believer in Christ Jesus. Keep opening up your heart to him more. Know that there's more to these stories than, I've heard it a thousand times, right? It's like one of those played out things. You guys know what's going to happen when you show up on Easter Sunday. Jesus died, rose from the dead. I get it. All right, right? It's the same thing. But there's more even to this story. There's more to this because there's more to him. There's more to his love. If you've tasted and experienced him, there is more to that love. There is more to his power. There is more to his joy. There is more to that peace. There is more to his presence. There is more. So why would you just settle with the little that you got? You know, why would you settle? Just open up your heart more and more and your heart will burn more and more. And I love that detail. Did you guys catch when they realized? Whoo, did you? Man, my heart was burning when he was talking. Their hearts were burning, yet they still didn't know it was Jesus. Their hearts were burning before they believed. Guys, I want you to know when Jesus was working, when Jesus was talking, what was burning? He was burning away those lies, burning away the strongholds, burning away all of the things that stood between them and seeing the Christ that was staring them in the face. Some of you guys, I know it, are feeling something. Some of you guys I know are like, you know, he's reading my mind, I know. I was like, you're feeling it. Something is happening here. Maybe it's a lot, maybe it's a little, and you don't know what it is. Don't dismiss that. That is the hand of God right now doing the same thing, trying to move, trying to burn away, cut away, remove so you can, your eyes can see, here I am. To those who are asking, where is God? He is closer than you think and better than you can ever imagine. Open up your heart to him. Open up your heart to him. He is right there. He did, listen, he carried the burden of death so that our hearts can burn with life. That's what he came to do. But listen, Jesus was going to keep going, right? He wasn't going to force his way into being a guest. He was just going to keep doing him. He was going to go. And he was hoping, waiting, invite me. Because see, God cannot force his way, guys. You have to be willing to. They were willing to open up the door. That's why I'm telling you, open up the door to your heart. More, wider, and wider. Because listen, Jesus is, he's. He's out there. He's there, but he's, you might be waiting on him, but he's also waiting on you. To make one step, to open up your heart so that he can show you. And in the same way, these guys, they were urgent to saying, oh, Jesus, or they didn't know Jesus. Bro, all right, what, I don't know what they said. Hey, no, 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 don't go. They urged him. The sun, it's almost evening. The sun is going down. The day is almost over. I am urging you to call on him more all, continually. I am urging you. Because the evening is, is coming. The, the day is almost gone. Darkness is continuing to get darker. And the light in you or in the light in the world is getting dimmer. And so call on him before your depression gets darker. Before the hole that you're in gets bigger. Call on him. Call on him. Maybe the day is almost gone. This moment, your life, you don't know what this could be or where it could lead. These moments are almost gone. Yet here he is, he remains. He remains for all of us to be able to see and experience and encounter more and more if we are willing to open up our heart and believe. When we do that, he opens up our eyes continually. And so I'm going to urge you in the same way, urge you in the same way to open up your heart. Open up your heart to him, whatever that looks like. 
Open up your heart. Reconsider. Maybe there's certain things that you've written off and what you thought was what we're talking about, this life that we've been singing about. It's more, there's more to it than the songs that we're singing. There's more to it than the stories. There is more to him. He's waiting on you. He's waiting on you. And he'll walk with you as long as it takes. But if they wouldn't have opened up the door, Jesus would have moved on. And they would have missed out on that moment. And they would have remained in the unknown. They would have remained in that town lost. Yet when their eyes were open, where do they run to? To Jerusalem. Peace. That is what God calls us towards. Himself. Himself. And so I urge you to pray that same prayer and say, God, no, no, stay with me. Open up my eyes. Because God is there. Maybe you don't see all of it or even see him, but I am telling you, he is there. So go to him. He's waiting. He is waiting to do the very same thing to you, to open up and for you to experience that joy and that peace that you're looking for, longing for. He's right there, willing to do it. Are you willing to believe and to continually open up your heart to him? Go to him. Welcome him as Lord and Savior. Open up your hearts to him and believe and receive him as Lord and Savior. Listen, he is what your heart is burning for because he is what your heart is truly longing for. You're just finding it in all the wrong places or you're thinking a little too small, but there is more to him. He is what you're longing for. So I want to pray with you right now, and I want to challenge you as we, I want to challenge you to say where you're at if you want to even close your eyes, but I want to challenge you to open your hearts because I want you to consider you have a God that you and I have questioned, sinned against, dismissed, ignored, been critical of, and yet there he remains. Drawing, walking alongside of you, trying to get your attention. He remains. He is there. If you've ever wondered where he is, just because you don't see it all doesn't mean and doesn't discount God from doing more in your life. There is more to all of this. And if you feel God tugging on your heart, you feel God is doing something, he's opening up your heart, I want you to open up your mouth and call on him and say, Jesus. Lord, I want to thank you so much, God, because I know it was me. I've, even me, man, wandering, and I know I'm still can easily be tempted and led away by misconceptions or misunderstandings, led away from temptation or whatever, Lord. And then there you are pursuing us because of your great love for us. God, I thank you, God, that no matter how and what we've done or how we've reacted and responded to you, it has not canceled out your love for us. That you have remained committed despite our commitment level to you. You remain committed. There is nothing more that we can do to make you love us any more than you do right now. And there is nothing that we can do to make you love us any less than you do right now. God, I thank you for that great love that you displayed on that cross and God, I thank you that because you rose from the dead, you are alive today. And God, and we can experience and our hearts can be ignited from the fire that is your love for us, for your glory, Lord, for your praise. And God, I pray right now that Holy Spirit, you open up our eyes. 
you're a Christian right now, I want to challenge you. All right? Keep opening up your heart, even to him right now. May He's probably bringing up something right now in your heart, an area that says, listen, I want to be Lord of that too. And when God is Lord, we don't lose our liberty. We find a greater sense of liberty and freedom when he is in charge. And so if God is bringing something up to you right now, I need to be Lord of this. You're calling the shots on that. I need to do that. You're walking the wrong way. You know, let me show you. Let me help you. If God is leading you to do that right now, open up your eyes and open up your mouth and confess, God, I want more of you. Listen, you, you only have as much of God as you want. And so say, Lord, I need more of you. If you're a believer in Christ, I need you to pray that. And if you're somebody who thought, no, no, no more, there's no way. There is no way. I am telling you, there still is. Christ has remained committed to you. So turn around, run to him because there he is. If you have ran from God, good news, you can't outrun him. You can't. He's catching up. He's keeping up with you. Turn around and see the, the peace and the joy and the life that you think you, you're trying to live your best life. It's been right in front of you this whole time, and its name is Jesus. Have him. Receive him. Lay all of it down. None of the compromises and none of the things that we have done or do it's a, can compare to anything that he gives us. Lay it all at his feet. And if you, if you feel discourage or if you're like one of those disciples that you're constantly going to your Emmaus, constantly looking for what's next. Let me tell you, he's right there. The what you're looking for, what you're, what you're longing for, I'm going to give you that answer. If you don't know what it was, it's Jesus. It's him. You were made for him. You were made for more than your, you know, whatever this world can offer you. You were made for more than that. You were made for him. And so open up your heart. Open up your heart and say, God, forgive, I believe, I believe, forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your spirit so that I may follow you. Open up our eyes, Lord. I thank you that the gates of heaven are open, that when the stone was rolled away, the, the door to heaven, the door to eternal life has remained there. It has remained open to this day. God, may we call on you before this time is over. May we call on you before this moment, before our moment moves away. God, may we call on you before whatever that darkness and depression gets an even greater hold. No, we come against it in the name of Jesus. And we say, Lord, open up our eyes to the life that is in you. Open up our eyes to see there, there you are. You are still there and you still love and your hand is still extended, inviting us to follow you. May we do that in the name of Jesus. If you're praying these things and if you believe in God is doing something in you. And we thank and praise your name right now in Jesus' name. Yo, there is more. There is more. There is more to the stories. There's more to the Old Testament than you ever could have imagined. There's more to the New Testament, right? There's more to the stories that are found inside of Scripture because there's more to Him. All of it points to Jesus, and there is always so much more to explore. There's more to this life than what you think is it means to live. And there's more to the Christian life than you could ever imagine. And the only way to figure that out is by continually opening our heart more and more to Christ. All right. That he becomes not just our you know, acquaintance, not just our travel companion, 
but eventually our guest and then host. See, that is that progression that Jesus took with these two. And that's the same one that can open up your eyes and open up your world, really, to so much more that Christ has for us, for you, for the world, for him. So I want to challenge you because you know what? That's what the kind of revolutionary that Jesus is looking for. Again, someone who revolves their life around Christ, understanding that there is so much more to explore, so much more truth, so much more to his love, his character, his nature. It's all there. He's just waiting for you. All right. So I challenge you, open up your heart more and more so that he can open up your eyes to all that there is in him.